we go. The John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show, starring Sherry Elliker and Zachary Taylor. Sherry? That's a good one. Yeah. Curious Death. Get to that. Diving in. All right, so uh, the President of the United States, oldest man ever elected to the office, decides to get on a plane, and they sent him to Ukraine. Uh-oh, look out. They did call Russia ahead of time, saying, by the way, Biden's going to be One there. year ago, the world was literally at the time bracing for the fall of Kiev. Seems like a lot longer ago than a year, but think back to that year. Perhaps even the end of Ukraine. You know, one year later, Kyiv stands, and Ukraine stands, democracy stands, the Americans stand with you, and the world stands with you. Okay. Here is his promise to the Ukrainian president. It's worth fighting for, for as long as it takes, and that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President. For as long as it takes. We'll do it. Thank you. So I think you're spending, we're spending about $7 billion a month uh, with military support in there. It's not quite the proxy war, but it sort of is the proxy war. And stop Russia as best you can and support Ukraine as best you can. And finally, oh, by the way, I say that, you know, as much as people in the United States dislike the guy, Ukraine sees America as its only savior that the UK, the other countries, but it has great respect for the United States. So it is a big deal. The president of the United States comes to the war torn country. Other presidents have done it as well. It does mean a lot symbolically for the people of Ukraine to know that they're not alone. You know, we did sort of screw them over when we took away their nuclear weapons in exchange. We're like, okay, tell you what. If you give up your nuclear weapons, uh, we'll we'll have your back. So they, they gave them up in the late 1990s or something, and then um, we basically have not sort of followed through on it. But this also gives uh, Ron DeSantis an opportunity to sound very president. Well, you know, Brian, I'm reminded of uh, when he was vice president. Obama and Biden uh, opposed providing lethal aid to Ukraine during those years. Uh, and then I'm also reminded that I don't think any of this would have happened but for the weakness that the president showed during his first year in office, culminating, of course, in the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan. So I think while he's over there, I think I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, he's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. He's not done anything to secure our own border here at home. We've had millions and millions of people pour in, tens of thousands of Americans dead because of fentanyl. And then, of course, we just suffered a national humiliation of having China fly a spy balloon clear across the continental United States. So we have a lot of problems accumulating here in our own country that, that he is neglecting. It is kind of, he's sort of sitting on the fence in this one, right, Sherry? Because you have to sort of say, okay, do we do absolutely nothing? We're isolationists and we don't, no, no support to Ukraine? Why do we continue to do it? Do we give them some jets to fly in there? Watch out, because if you give them the capability to strike within the heart of Russia, now all of a sudden they're using American technology and American weaponry to now attack Russia. 
So it's it's very tricky. The Republicans fearful. are getting frustrated though because they think there's no real end game here. There's no exit strategy, or you know, why are we spending all this money when? It's going on and on. Matt Gates had this to say when our border is in crisis, Joe Biden goes home to nap in Delaware. So on President's Day, I'm not surprised that Biden is ditching America for Ukraine. Okay. Um, take this with a grain of salt. Marjorie Taylor Greene said Biden didn't go to East Palestine, Ohio on President's Day. He went to uh-huh. Ukraine, a non-NATO nation whose leader is an actor and apparently like that matters and is apparently now <laughs> commanding our United Nations our United yeah. States military to world war. We must impeach this America last fool before it's too late. Okay. Cuckoo bird. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to, um, I say his name, it's just sort of off the record, but he high up in the state department. And then when it came to foreign affairs and he said, expect this war to go on for about five years. He said, this thing you have to understand is that, Russia and Putin and everybody else under Putin, when Putin dies or accidentally falls out of a window, um, there are plenty of people behind him that want Russia to be what Russia used to be, the USSR. And if they get Ukraine, they will keep going. They want to reunite. And the people of Russia want to be strong again. And they support Putin in this, and they see as if Ukraine was taken from them, these other countries were taken from them. They have tremendous amount of respect for the old Russia, uh, what the power used to be of the Russian bear, and they want that back again. So it's get Crimea. We didn't do much. You could have them. Um, then we didn't do much again as they started peeling off other parts. Then we go in there, and now we are fighting with our dollars against Russia, China, and Iran. So he said this is going to go on for quite some time, uh, at least five years of fighting. And when somebody asked him, we were sitting in a small circle, is it that important? He goes, it is absolutely that important that this, we stop Russia because if we don't, they take Ukraine and then they just continue to bo- mm-hmm. to gobble up some others along the way. So, um Good for Joe Biden for heading there. If anything else, it just makes the people of Ukraine feel that they're they're not alone in all of this. Um, well, I guess is this a, is this passed yet that um, Lunar New Year will become a holiday in the state of Washington? Is that passed? No, it is not. It is House Bill fifteen sixteen, and they want to make it a holiday. Um, they also say this could be something. That is in response to what has been um, talked about quite a bit this past year, these last two years, about some Asian uh, racism. Uh-huh. And it's um, it's the way to make the Asian community feel welcome. Uh, it's got 39 co-sponsors. There are 900,000 Washingtonians who identify as Asian. That's about 12% of the population. Um, uh-huh. It's already a legal holiday in California, but it is not a paid state holiday. However, this would be one of those. It would cost about $5.7 million. And not all Asian Americans celebrate Lunar New Year, but it's the biggest holiday for for many of them. So this would be symbolic saying we recognize this as, you know, you're a large part of our community. We want to make sure that you feel 
uh, seen and recognized and that it might help to mitigate some of the racist activities that have happened. <laughs> so let's see, racist activities. Uh, Thurston County School recognizes Asians as white. So to distort their numbers to show that minority students, there's a gap between the two. So they eliminated Asians as a minority and made them white. I guess that would be a form of the racism. Uh, it would also be referendum 88 um, regarding the fact that they wanted to bring back affirmative action, which is systemic racism. That's where the state decides that, yeah, because you're Asian, and your grades are all straight A's and you did this and did that. You don't get to get into college. Um, but somebody else who didn't work as hard as you does get into college. I guess that would be considered racism as well. That barely passed in uh, the United, in Washington. I think it was an extremely narrow, uh, vote where the people said, yeah, we're still not really big on legalized racism, which is what affirmative action is. And the idea that like somehow that, a whole bunch of folks in the Asian community were there were racist attacks against them. That's what they're saying. They needed to do this to make them were were somehow coming to terms with it. Is that is that the reason for it? That's this what, is what. Push? Well, this is what my Lynn Tai, who's from Bellevue, who's sponsoring the bill, said that it would send a, res- a message of respect and solidarity. It would give uh, state employees and public schools uh, the day off. This is a step towards saying that Asian Americans belong here and this is our home. Um, also, you know, it's uh, I think it's one of those things um, that there, there have been uh, quite a few other holidays that are celebrating different ethnicities and, and different cultures. And so this this is a way to say our culture matters as well. Our culture. Um, another one, another person said more people would acknowledge the diversity and cultural significance that we bring to the state. There are still people who believe we're only a burden to the system. Oh, I, okay. Right. The straw man argument. Asian Americans, by the way, it, it makes up a huge swath of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And what the United States, the federal government determines somebody to be Asian. So that's you would be considered Asian. There's a dozen countries involved in this, the Far East, the Southeast, Indian subcontinent. Um, I think 12 or 14 various parts of the world are all considered to be Asian. I saw this from Pew. Uh, they did a survey. And when they talked to Asian Americans, Asian Americans as a and that is a big, big group, they make more money. They are better educated. They have less crime and just generally are truly succeeding in America. Does hard work equal success? When they spoke to Asian Americans, 69% said yes. The general public said 58. 93% of Asian Americans, um, 93% describe Asian Americans from their country, um, of original as working very, very hard. And, um, 57% describe as Americans as working very hard. And then you look at how well they're doing just overall when it comes to personal prosperity, um, jobs, creation of jobs, um, how well they do in school, the medium income, the average household income for Asian Americans is 66,000. For the general public, it's 49,000. They're excelling. They see America as the greatest country to come where all of your dreams can come true if you work hard. 
82% of Americans say overall life is much happier in the United States. 75% of the general public says that. Well, I don't think this is that is the 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 primary reason for this. It, it's it, it's more about solidarity. It's more about unity. Um, made you Lin. Um, said it was a good idea. Uh, this, she's part of the Chong Wa Benevolent Association in Seattle, uh, uh-huh. saying that a state holiday would provide community members with more opportunities to celebrate the Lunar New Year. It will give people uh-huh. permission and will encourage them as well. Hey, this is our culture. These are our roots. If we don't uphold it, nobody will. You know, they uh, of, of various demographics, they are the least participatory when it comes to voting, Asian Americans. And there's a bunch of different theories on it. But one of them in particular is if you think of somebody that says, well, this guy, this person speaks for the black, uh, the black uh, African-American. This is a spokesperson for you have them on. Right. This is the spokesperson for this group or that group. You think, OK, who's the spokesperson for Asian-Americans? The silence uh, is the fact that you don't have one. And the reason is, is because they don't necessarily look to the government to provide a whole bunch of stuff. It's just, let me be. Let me be free. Let me start my business. Let me have my family. Let me go to college. And if I do well and I get A's and I study hard and I do the homework and I do, then don't discriminate against me. Allow me to have my place. And I don't need anybody to try to help me at all. And that's, I believe, that's one of the primary drivers of why they're just not involved politically. And people go, oh, it's because, you know, there's all these different languages and they don't speak the language. Eh, there's plenty of places that you can, you know, there's uh, ballots are printed in a variety of languages. But it's most of the time there's sort of a self-sufficiency that comes with strong, intact families and working hard and knowing that education and working hard will lead you to success in America. And they don't necessarily look to the government. That's why... You, and now speaking for the Asian American community, here's that spokesperson. Nope. They're not there. They don't go to the government for the handout. But you're going to vote against this? There's no way they'd vote against it. So it's going to cost Washington State $5.4 million. It goes up every single year because what you're basically saying is we're taking all the state employees and we're giving them the day off and we're still paying them. There are 44 holidays now that federal workers get. In 10 years, it'll cost the American taxpayers $5 billion. Uh, it's about $888 million per year with the 44 days that federal workers get off of all the holidays that they have. So just one more holiday now in the state of Washington. Well, Washington currently observes 11 legal holidays, and the newest mm-hmm. one is Juneteenth. And they added, they added that in 2021. And yeah. remember that legal holidays are also public school holidays. Mm-hmm. Yep. So kids don't have to go to school on those 11 days as well. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> we'll all be better off for it. Ay, ay, ay. Yay, yay. Um, do we need another celebration for presidents? Sure. Okay, do your Zachary Taylor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Zachary Taylor. Uh, Taylor fell ill on July 4th and died five days later at the age of 65. Officially, he died from cholera morbus. And today, the prevalent theory is that Taylor suffered from gastroenteritis, an illness exacerbated, exacerbated by poor sanitary conditions in Washington, which means he sure? died. Yes. It means he died what? I'm sorry. 
he died of, you know, problems, gastro <laughs> okay. problems, yep. gastric Got problems. It. Okay. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. <laughs> that's on. The, yeah, that's what they put on the death certificate. Was just died of problems. <laughs> Wire fence problems. <laughs> oh my. Bucky's Auto Service Centers gets the big send-up here. Then. Take your car to Bucky's President's Day. Well, they might be closed, but any other day, take them to 16 locations and head on over to Bucky's, Bucky's Auto Service Centers. And now for another great moment in President history. Sherry, I think you'd like to talk about John Quincy Adams. Yes, while in office, 6th President John Quincy Adams often swam in the Potomac River, and he preferred to do so in the buff. Adams mm. was an early riser, and in his diaries, he wrote of waking at about 4 a.m. and taking a morning dip nude. Though it sounds risque now, skinny dipping was apparently common in the 1800s. problem is that if you I remember one time doing this playing the national anthem and if you stop it people get mad you have to play the whole thing so I'm standing right now by the way thank you Andrew uh, well, they're at it. The, uh, the censor police have decided they're going to go after books. And why not start with, uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? And they, uh, gotten together, I guess, members of the family of, uh, Ronald Dahl's, uh, classic book. It's been censored. What's the name of this group that does all the censoring? They go in there and they remove the words. That's a, um, group of folks that, um, trying to protect everybody. I forget the name of the organization, but this the first book they've gone after, or they've gone after others, but this one's making the news recently. So they, um, they're cleaning it up, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. I mean, there are a number of books. Um, this is Roald Dahl. Of course, he was a mm-hmm. prolific writer. He wrote, that was one of his books. He also wrote Matilda. And they are trying to, I guess, clean up the language a little bit. Now, keep in mind that um, the changes to the books um, were the uh, Roald, Roald Dahl Story Company, which controls mm-hmm. the rights to the books, worked with this organization to uh, make some changes. And uh, just a couple of things. If you remember Augustus Gloop, uh, mm-hmm. the guy, in, the the rather... A large child in Zoftic. Charlie and the Chocolate. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That was published in 1964. He is no longer enormously fat, just enormous. Mm. Um, in a new edition of Witches, another book, a supernatural female posing as an ordinary woman, maybe working as a top scientist or running a business instead of a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. Um, the word black was removed from the description of the terrible mm-hmm. tractors in the 1970s. The machines yeah. are simply now murderous, brutal-looking monsters. And this wow. did not go unnoticed. Um, there were people that uh, thought this was um, a, a real problem. However, 
what they said was the people, the company that worked with his company to did this, to do this said when publishing new print runs of books written years ago, it's not unusual to review the language used alongside updating other details, including a book's cover and page layout. Hmm. Um, but Pen America said this, if we start down the path of trying to correct for perceived slights instead of allowing readers to receive and react to books as written, we risk distorting the work of great authors and clouding the essential lens that literature offers on society. Hmm. Uh, but that is not as important as making sure you're cleaning up the language so that people are not offended or hurt, right? They removed words like fat, ugly, crazy, uh, boys and girls became people or children. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of a formidable female, they changed that to a formidable woman. Uh-huh. Now, I, none of these words, I mean, yes, I suppose people don't like other people to call someone fat or ugly or crazy, but it these were children's books, so they they weren't, I don't think horribly offensive. They just wanted to make, they just wanted to make these changes and his, his company went along with it. Well, he didn't, his relatives did, right? Well, his relatives, remember, he's, he's a very controversial figure anyway. His relatives mm-hmm. had to apologize a few years ago because he was an admitted anti-Semite. And mm-hmm. apparently a lot of things that he wrote and a lot of things that he stood for were highly offensive. And okay. so I don't think that the family is in a position now to say, oh, we want to protect him because he does have a, 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 a you know, a, a bad history of, of saying some, some really bad things. I get it, but do you do do you decide that because he was anti-Semitic, do you say that well, we're not going to? He gets no space in the shelf. He gets no attention. That the works that he had should be destroyed forever, based upon his um, anti-Semitic writings, right? Uh, I think Henry the Ford are- was Henry Ford was a horrible Semitic, right? Anti-Semitic, um, supported Hitler, uh, bought a newspaper, started a newspaper so that he could do a whole thing, a whole every week or whatever it was. He would write some horrible screeds. He used to write these awful anti-Jewish uh, letters to the editor there in Detroit, and then eventually that they stopped printing them. So he said, "Oh, Henry Ford said, okay, then fine. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own paper." So he started his own papers so that he could put this stuff out there you know do we get rid of ford do we stop making ford cars i mean if you start down that road look out because it there's no ending there's never an ending that's why the dei stuff doesn't work because at what point do you have enough diversity equity inclusion there's no ending point you can't say well that's it we've accomplished everything we want to accomplish we can stop at this point so they're cleaning this up for everybody's sake right yeah, I don't. I don't think the two things are necessarily related. I, I think okay. what's what this is mostly about is the way we are trying now to protect children, quote unquote, from these kinds of words or something that might not be gender inclusive. This is a, this is about what is happening now in today's society and why we want to censor people because we want so much 
because of inclusiveness, because of all of that. I, I certainly think that, you know, his, um, some of the things that he stood for and some of the things that, that he, that he admitted to, uh, were very, very problematic, but they're not canceling him. They're not saying his books cannot be read or put in books, you know, bookstores or libraries. That's not it. They're just saying, we want to clean this up. We want to, uh, revise this so it meets the standards of what some people in society think is appropriate now. Right. That's where I always have the problem. It's who assumes what's appropriate and who assumes what words can be read, what thoughts can be expressed. Who are these people and why are they in charge? If you could do, you could print both books if you'd like, and then you could leave it up to the consumer. You could leave it up to the parents or the kids. And you say, this is the original, if you want to read it in the original, and this is the one that we've decided to change the words because we're so concerned that people are going to be offended. I just always wonder who are the people that are in charge of the words, the thoughts, and the ideas, and why have we given them the power to determine what they're what what we are allowed to read? Let them have, let both be printed. Let the let the let the consumer decide which one that they want. You know, or read it in its original and then talk about it. You know, read. Um, to kill a mockingbird and talk about it and talk about it prior and then talk about the, the use of the words and the, and the ideas and then show some sort of progress and use it as a point in time of American history and then say, now here's where we are now and then these are the words. But when you start cleaning all this sort of stuff up based upon a small group of people that feel they are in charge of whatever everyone is allowed to read and think, it's, it's well, where does a, it end? A, I mean, what are exactly. they, what are they going to do? Start start with the Bible? I mean, look at the look at the the horror stories that are in the Bible. I mean, you can't do this to every single piece of literature out there. You just can't do it. Well, you can uh, but, if you if, you know you do read uh, uh, George Orwell's nineteen eighty four, right? Sure. And the group of people in the Ministry of Truth, the, the responsibility was to go through all newspapers and photos and just have people. Uh, de-exist, I forget the word that they used, where they would just eliminate them. They would eliminate certain words because some words were just too complicated. And then, you know, things would be good, good, and very, very. They got rid of adjectives and adverbs just to limit the amount of words that could be used so they could limit the amount of thoughts that could be expressed. To To eliminate the complexity of thought, they eliminated words. And then they also just made people disappear. I'll tell you something. George Orwell must be like, hey, I was right. <laughs> That's my imitation. He's, no, he's really saying, I told you so. I told you. I I told you. And by the way, that movie wasn't very good. Read the book. <laughs> all right. Don't forget, uh, all animals are equal, but some are just more equal than others. Sherry's really been picking out the trivia on the presidents during these breaks. I don't know how you're able to manage all this, Sherry. <laughs> well, you know, it's President's Day. It's, it's time to enlighten people a little bit about the fun facts that we don't generally get to. Do you have another fun fact? And can we do it without putting the national anthem underneath it? I think so. I've got a couple. Okay. I'll do a, a little rapid fire one, okay? All right. Martin okay. Van Buren coined the word okay. William G. Harding 
wins the prize for the biggest presidential feat. He wore size 14. And Calvin uh-huh. Coolidge refused to use the telephone during his presidential term. I took that bed and hit him upside a pie There you go. Pie out to you, Sherry. All right. I would also, I think, refuse to use the phone if I was president. So just wanted to... Not a joke. Not a joke. (laughs) Not a joke. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Everybody depressed on President's Day. The secret... I can hear you. The secret of uh, falling asleep is so good. It's a British national treasure. This, according uh, to the New York Times. How how good is it, Sherry? The secret to falling asleep. Well, other than it's... Jacob making comments on the radio. <laughs> Uh, this is an article by a person named Grace Linden, and she talks about the fact that she's discovered something called the shipping forecast. And this is a, yeah. a broadcast, a BBC Radio 4 production that has been going on for decades. And it's just weather reports that narrate mm. the gales and tides around the British Isles. I think mm. we have an example of it. Yes, we do. By the way, if you are driving... Or operating heavy equipment, um, put on your hazards and get ready. BBC Radio 4. Now, the shipping forecast issued by the Met Office on behalf of the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency at 0015 today, Tuesday, the 1st of August. The general synopsis at 1800. Low, Northwest Malin, 1002, losing its identity by 1800 Tuesday. New high expected Biscay 1019 by the same time. The area forecast for the next 24 hours Viking, Northwood Sierra, Southwood Sierra. Southerly or southwesterly 4 or 5, occasionally 6 at first in Northwood Sierra. Do you think the guy that's reading this knows that people are using it to fall asleep so he's being extra kind of, you know, soothing and sexy? I don't know that people are generally using this to fall asleep. I think that it is a national treasure because of the historical nature of oh. of the broadcast. I think mm-hmm. this particular writer uses it to fall asleep. Um, it says uh, it would be a pity if the segment ever fell silent, though, because the shipping forecast is older than the BBC itself and has become somewhat of a national treasure in England. Mm-hmm. And so it's more that... She talks about how there's such a soothing, na- there's a, a soothing nature to the person that's doing it, but also the idea of of all of these um, these forecasts that people are out at sea and it makes you feel small and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of oh. that that mystery, the romance of the of the sea and the weather uh, and 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 that type of thing. Thundery showers, good, occasionally moderate. 40s, Cromarty, 4, Tyne, Dogger. South or southwest, 4 or 5, decreasing 3 at times. Showers, thundery for a time, good, occasionally moderate. I'm sorry. Sorry, Sherry? What? Are you, do you not like the shipping forecast? Are you, are you, are you experienced gastroenteritis like a former president did? I mean, what, what's. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Fisher, German Bight. South or southwest, four or five, decreasing three for a time. Showers, good, occasionally <laughs> no. moderate. Humber, that Thames, Dover. 
South or southwest three or four. Okay, Andrew. (laughs) What? Andrew. Now it's too much? Before I'm I'm too conservative before, and now it's it's too many. It is a fine line. (laughs) It's never too many, Andrew. I got to sit on the wire better. Is that what it is? (laughs) <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. All right, listen, we'll finish with five this. at times. Showers, thundery for a time in Humber. Subtle, L- little little one, just subtle, subtle. Becoming fair later. Good, occasionally moderate. White, <laughs> Portland. <laughs> Southwestern, <laughs> four or five. That was a good one.